Follow Him podcast. This podcast is created by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Here, we hope to help young adults find relevant principles each week as they study the assigned Come Follow Me scripture block as outlined by the church. This episode is simply two institute teachers talking about what they see in the scriptures that might be relevant to your life. It is not intended to speak for the church or to definitively define doctrines or policies. Any opinions shared here are just that, our opinions, as we have learned to come follow Him. I'm your host, Matt Swenson. Let's jump in. Welcome back, everybody. It's good to be with you again uh, here today with uh, Brother Will Johns, uh, who is the original talker. We, uh, we started this all uh, some years ago as a class we were offering at Boise State Institute where we just were sitting down in front of students talking and, and having them have some input and, and uh, the idea came that maybe we would record that and put it out there for everybody. So, Brother John's welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Excited to be back with you. Yeah, it's good so, to be good to yeah. be here with you. Um, we're covering kind of a big block today and like always we probably won't get to the whole thing but just thought we ought to mention today our block is Matthew 9 through 10. Mark 5 and Luke 9, and it's kind of the same stories taught in different uh, different voices. So with that, Brother Johns, anything you want to say before we start? Any, yeah. Just, just yeah, thank you. welcome, anything else? Yeah. Well, I just love these stories um, that we read about the Savior and His ministry on the earth. And I just love that, uh, that the, sa- the Savior really teaches and testifies, but He also shows through his actions, just the great power that he has and the power to transform our lives and change yeah. our lives. And as I've restudied the New Testament this year, I think maybe in my younger years of studying, I, I probably got caught up in the miracles that Christ was performing and, and maybe even just the actions that he was performing. And this time around, I've really just felt this overwhelming sense that the miracles are to testify to us that Christ truly has the power to transform mm-hmm. And change our lives and to heal us and to help us to become more than we could ever become on our own yeah. and so really this has been a message for me of of the Savior's power in my life and the ability to to transform me to yeah. change me you know yeah. I, yeah yeah that's really great I, I love the idea that the miracles I think he did the miracles on purpose to mm-hmm. show the transformative power of, yeah. of the Savior, really, right? But yeah. but I don't think that was really his purpose, right? His purpose was to save us all, right? Yeah. And and the miracles were were maybe a byproduct of the of the whole message. Yeah. And yet, I think we even still today we seek his miracles much more than we seek his forgiveness and we seek his uh, atonement and yeah. things like that. We, we, yeah. we look to those miracles as proofs and as signs. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but the message was, I can save you. Yeah. Right? I can save you and I can transform you and I can help you to become who it is that you're destined to become, not in this mortal existence, but in an eternal existence. Yeah. So Wonderful. Yeah. Well, take us in. We're starting Matthew yeah. 9, maybe? Yeah, Matthew 9. We'll jump into Matthew 9. And, and just wanted to kind of start in the beginning for just a minute. It says, And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. I just love the phrase in there, seeing their faith. And in all these miracles we're going to look at today, there's an indication that there's some faith being exercised yeah. In order to receive that miracle, we all, I think we know pretty commonly that faith precedes miracles. Yeah. You know, it's not often that miracles lead to 
I mean, they can improve our faith and, and help us to have greater faith, but I think we oft, often have to start with faith. Sure. And in each of these stories, there's just kind of a tender part of that story where, where these individuals show their faith and they demonstrate their faith. And mm-hmm. and I think, you know, there's there's times in our lives, I think the Savior is always willing to rescue us. I think he's always there to, you know, as Elder Holland said, to succor us, to run to us, to help us in our times of needs. But mm-hmm. but I do think there's times when the Savior says, you know, reach out, yeah, come to me, yeah. you know, and, and uh, show your faith that yeah. you really believe I can heal and transform you. Well, and that's the thing, right? Verse two, seeing yeah. their faith, he yeah. saw their faith, right? Mm-hmm. And then what did he do? He didn't like, he didn't heal the man first. He forgave yeah. his sins, which is so much bigger. And that's the thing he brings up, yes. right? Verse five, the people around are like, oh man, he's blaspheming. And then in verse five, um, what think ye evil in your, why, why think you evil in your hearts? For whether is it, it whether is easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee or to say arise and walk which one's harder here yeah um and uh but that ye might know that the son of man hath power on earth to forgive sins then he healed him right and he arose and took up his bed yeah i think i think again kind of like like i said before that the message really was i can save you yes and all it requires is a little bit of your faith. Yeah. But what we want is the miracle that I can see right now that proves that he's there. And, right. And, and that's really, he's even willing to do that for yes. us though, right? He's yeah. willing to give us that even if it's not the eternal thing we need. Yeah, I love that. I think uh, you're right that uh, these people are kind of like, you know, in a way they're kind of tempting him or I don't know if tempting him is the right word, but they're saying, hey, show us something. You know, yeah. you show us. And yeah. I think I think he's saying to them, first of all, you show me your faith. Yeah. But second of all, and most, and really, actually, most importantly, is it, it's not even the miracle that I'm here for. Right. The, the miracle is that I can save you. Yeah. The miracle is that that I can bring you back to Heavenly Father. So, yeah, yeah. That 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 sins yeah. can be forgiven by one. Mm-hmm. Right. That was yeah. so blasphemous to to the the Pharisees and Sadducees yeah. and those that were standing around because they didn't have that authority. Mm-hmm. Nobody had given them that. And so, who is this guy to yeah. to have the acclaim to have the authority of forgiving sins? Right. That's totally. Such a powerful message. Yeah, and I think that brings us to verse nine. Uh, just another indication of the faith that we're going to see throughout these miracles and throughout these chapters. But and as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom, and he saith unto him, "Follow me." And he arose and followed him. And again, mm-hmm. Savior's invitation, follow me. And instantly Matthew arises and follows him. And mm-hmm. I've just been pondering this much in my own life recently. You know, how often we just sit around and expect the miracles to come without acting. Right. And uh, I think the Savior in, in a lot of ways is saying, you know, act in faith, stand up, arise, come follow me. Yeah. And uh, so just another indication of the faith that we're going to see here. But jump down to verse 12. But when Jesus heard that he's, uh, well, I guess we can't jump all that part of the story. Jesus is sitting down with sinners and publicans to eat, and they're kind of questioning, why are you, why are you eating with the sinners and publicans? Sure. And I love the Savior's response, verse 12. But when Jesus heard that, he heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. And then he says just a little bit further down, but go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And I love the phrase that that some may have heard, but that the church is a, not a country club for saints, but a hospital for sinners. Sure. This is a place of healing. This is a place where the Savior dwells. This is His house. This this holy sacrament, these ordinances we partake of weekly and, and then throughout our lives, this is 
is the Savior's extended arm of mercy to heal us. Yeah. And um, I just would say to, to any young single adults out there listening, it, come as you are. Yeah. Come as you are and be healed. There's, there's no perfect people you're going to meet here in these buildings. We all come each week. At least we should all come each week to be healed yeah. and uh, to help each other along that healing process and journey. Though I think sometimes, like a country club, we wear our suits and yeah. our puffed up shirts and we sit and we arrived early because God had blessed us with so many things in our lives to, to have life put together. And, and we sit judging those that come in late or unkempt or, yeah. or whatever, right? And, and uh, yeah. you know, it's interesting as, as you and I are talking, uh, we're sitting in a church building, yeah. doing this in a church building. You you uh, teach at Middleton Seminary, and yeah. and it's the backside of the church building here, and mm-hmm. and so we, as an occupation, get to work in dedicated church buildings, and it's yeah. it's a it's a significant thing to just be in a dedicated building every yeah. day, all day long for your life, yeah. for your living, right? But but I think one of the things that comes to me is, you know, that idea that um, it's very easy. To receive forgiveness, be forgiven, um, be living your life in a righteous way and look down at mm-hmm. those who are struggling to do those same things mm-hmm. because for whatever reason it's easier for us or we don't have yeah. the same circumstances or whatever. And I don't know that that's ever true, that it's easier for anyone. I think we all have our our stuff, right? But, yeah. but that sometimes we look around and we see others who seem to even just be faking it through life. Everything's fine. Everything's yeah. perfect. That's just never true. Yeah. It's just never true. The more, Matt, I have lived my life and the more I've been a part of the church and different callings and different, you know, realms of things, it's uh, it's become more and more evident to me that everyone has a battle. Yeah. Everyone is struggling with something. And, and we may look at the leadership of the church and say, oh, well, the bishop, he's got his life figured out. He's got perfect. But, you know, even my bishop recently has admitted to the ward. He said, I'm broken. Yeah. I'm broken in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I'm here to be healed just as much as you are. Yeah. And we had an Area 70 come uh, just this past week to our state conference. And one of the stories he shared was of a, of a couple coming, being reactivated back into the church. And. And they struggled to want to come back, and they struggled thinking, you know, I don't know if, we, you know, what what are people going to think, and and I don't know. And they even had some some issues with the word of wisdom, mm-hmm. and they just thought, ah. And so they struggled with this decision: do we go back? Do we not? Do we go back? Do we not? And, and I think he said over the course of a couple of years, they mm-hmm. went back and forth on do we come back to activation and. Wow. And anyways, at some point, a church leader reached out and, and uh, extended that invitation for them to come back. And so they said, okay, this is it. We're going back. And yeah. so they stepped into the church on Sunday, and and they come into the sacrament meeting, and, and they sit down, and they thought, we've made it. You know, we, we, we finally have come back. And uh, and so they're sitting there kind of enjoying the prelude music and, and just kind of taking it all in and, and just took so much courage and so much faith for them to come back. And... Uh, Several families begin to sit down and, you know, one family after another kind of surrounds them and in, in, uh, in their pews. And as the general authority stated, it, it, kind of what transpired next really was was something hard to hear. But uh, a lady sat down and was conversing with another lady and, and then kind of almost at an instant in, in kind of a snarky tone. She said, it smells like an ashtray in here. Oh. And these people kind of just shrunk into their seats. Mm. And um, and they, uh, I don't remember, I don't recall if they got up and left right then, mm. but they surely left right after the sacrament meeting. And mm. it took several more years for them to ever want to come back again. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyways, the general authority's message, and I know other general authorities have said this, but he said, you know, the smell of smoke in a sacrament meeting, the smell of cigarettes in a sacrament meeting, 
should be sweet to us yeah. because it's somebody coming to yeah. receive the healing of the Savior. It's, it's maybe not the country club we want it to be, but yeah. but it maybe shouldn't be that. Yeah. Maybe we should be looking and smelling for smoke, right? Totally. I, I love that. You so, know, and, and, and interestingly here in, in Matthew... Um, that uh, the Savior says, Jesus heard that. He said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. And it's interesting because you, you read for us verse 9 mm-hmm. about Matthew yeah. sitting at the receipt of custom. It's effectively the tax office, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. This was, okay, this is the book of Matthew. Yeah. That's all he wrote about his own conversion. Yeah. Just that Jesus walked by me. He doesn't even say me. It was yeah. just this guy named Matthew sitting over there. And uh, and he gets called and, and he he stands up and he serves he serves he goes in Luke we read a little bit more about that experience um, that that Matthew really did begin to help and he, he he took people to his home and he helped feed and whatever yeah um, but but Matthew was one of those those beings that needed help he was broken yeah he had uh, he had become someone in in their in their culture in their society even that. That people would have seen and uh, refused, just right. just on sight, refused him. Yeah. Um, similar, maybe to how we will smell and refuse in mm-hmm. our own sacrament meetings, right? And and I think the Savior's message here is, I just got Matthew to follow me. Yeah. And I didn't judge him, and I didn't, you know, I didn't talk to him about his career and all, yeah. all these things that I could have spent my time doing. No, I just said, come follow me, and he did. Yeah. Because he wanted to, he was ready, he was willing to put the cigarettes down and get up and walk to church and mm-hmm. sit down in a church that. He Probably was pretty uncomfortable in it yeah. at the beginning, right? Yeah. And uh, I think there's such a powerful message just in the way Matthew writes his own experience, right? Yeah. Humble. Just, I, I was there. He invited me. I came. Totally. Just one verse. That's all. Well, this reminds me just briefly, you know, as a, as a 17-year-old, I was introduced to the church, and uh, I did not look the part of... Sure of a typical member of the church. I had long hair. I didn't wear a suit and tie to church. I, you know, I came kind of as I was. Yeah. And interestingly enough, I won't mention any names of, of churches that I've been to previously, but I had been to other churches and had felt the stares and the judgments and, and kind of never really felt welcomed in a church before that. Sure. And I'll never forget, I walked in uh, to the stake center out in Nampa, South Nampa, and uh this, this sister, I'll never forget her name. I'll never forget who she is. I'll never forget what she looked like. But I walked in that door, and within a few seconds, she came right over to me with a big smile on her face, and she said, Welcome. It's so good to have you here. Mm. And that was the first time in my life up to that point that I had really, truly felt welcome wow. in a church. Wow. And then from that, it proceeded forward. I went to three hours worth of church, and in every setting that I was in, in all three hours of that church, it was like I was... I was welcome. That's so cool, so, Will. I, I yeah. love that. You know, there's there's something that's just kind of stuck in in verse thirteen that yeah. maybe we don't even spend any time on in yeah. Matthew five, Matthew nine uh, thirteen, and we don't need to spend a ton of yeah. time in, in here. But that sister who came up to you and smiled and welcomed you had done what the Savior had done. Yeah. What he invites here, he says. After he says, the whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. Mm-hmm. Then the next words out of his mouth is, "But go ye and learn what that meaneth." You can't learn that because I just told you. Right. Go learn what it means to welcome people that are sick into a place of healing. Yeah. Go be a physician. Go go practice this, right? Yeah. And I think we skipped that because the first part was so good. They that are 
not not a physician, but they that are sick, right? Mm -hmm. And then the next part is so good in 13, I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. We miss the invitation to go and learn that skill, right? I love that. That's such a powerful and important thing that probably all of us could do, Mm -hmm. right? If we went to church and we sat down and we just looked for who needed help. Yeah. Obviously we do, right? I mean, I need help when I go and I'm so grateful for the sacrament and renewal of covenants and forgiveness of sin, but but I have some to offer too. And and maybe rather than thinking only about me when I go, I go ye and learn what that meaneth. I yeah. think that'd be a important message. I agree. And I think, you know, for the young single adults listening here, it's a, you know, first of all, come as you are. Sure. But but when you're here, you know, emulate the characteristics of the Savior and, and look for others that you may be able to bless and benefit. Yeah, and help. So. I love that. Who was it that said, you'll probably remember this, I don't. And if we don't, either one of us remember it, it's because we're not perfect, right? <laughs> yeah. Who was it that said, come as you are, but don't plan to stay that way? Ooh, there's been lots of people right? who've I'd, quoted I think that's things. such a good invitation, yeah. though. Like, you know, it's okay to be a little ragged yeah. when you show up. Yeah. But if the, if the place, if the message, if the methods mm-hmm. aren't changing you, mm-hmm. you're missing something. Yeah. Right? It, it isn't okay to just be the way the natural man is. Yeah. He asks us to change and to become something bigger and better. I love that. Just real quickly, I know we got to move forward, but yeah. man, I, uh, I remember an experience when I was young, uh, younger. I, I was freshly married and uh, we were in a ward and I remember this gentleman came to a ward activity and uh, he rolls up to the ward activity. He's got two cigarettes on his ears, and he's in like a like a tank top. As he is, yeah, and man. He came as he was, and, <laughs> and I will admit, you know, initially I'm like, oh, who's this guy? You know, kind of an interesting, yeah. different guy. But I was like, you know, I'm gonna go talk to him, and he became one of my favorite people of all time. Oh, really? Like. He told me that night, no shame, just, you know, yep, just got out of prison, trying to get back into the church. And <laughs> and uh, anyways, awesome. he was amazing. Like, we actually became, like, really good friends. Cool. And I watched over the next year the Savior's Atonement transform yeah. a man who had freshly been out of prison. Yeah. But I also watched a ward of people who emulated the characteristic of uh, characteristics of Jesus Christ. They welcomed that family into the mm-hmm. ward. Hmm. and they befriended that family and they served that family and they loved that family yeah. unconditionally. Yeah, that's and, really cool. Uh, I watched that's that really, transformation. It, it, it reminds me of, uh, maybe you were there last year, mm-hmm. a year and a half ago at at a institute kickoff celebration down by the park, oh, right yeah. by the river, <laughs> and we're we're walking around and yeah. and going getting our food and yeah. and there by the drinks is a whole pack of wine coolers. Oh yeah, somebody'd set oh, out some yeah. wine coolers, but they brought yeah. them to, in, to, yeah. to share, right? And share. and I remember looking around that group, and we obviously had some people come in, kind of off the river, and mm-hmm. and and join us for our barbecue and whatnot, yeah. but. But it, you didn't see them segregated. You yeah. know, the, the, no. the young adults just invited them and gathered yeah. them, and, and they offered their wine coolers that just sat there all night long. But, yeah. Yeah. but man, we need to be that way, don't we? And yeah. go and learn to be that way. Yeah. I think that's cool. I love it. Thank you. Great Thank message. You. What uh, What else? Where should we go? Yeah, let's get so over to Mark, Mark 5, okay. and uh, we'll, we'll start a, uh, an amazing story that I just love, the um, story of Jairus and his daughter. Yeah. So we'll start in verse 22, Mark 5, 22. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. And he besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. So to kind of bring it back to the beginning of of today, such a tender moment of great faith. Of, of Jairus to come to the Savior and to, to 
as a loving father would express his concern and his fear that he may lose his daughter. And he says, come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. Um, when I read that, I don't know much about, you know, necessarily his background per se, but, but when I read that, there's a great indication of, of a great faith in the Savior. Yeah. He really believes that if, if the Savior comes, he can heal her and bring her back. Yeah. I, I, love the, I love the phrase, I pray thee, in the middle of verse 23. My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands upon her. I think uh, some of the most honest prayers we offer ever are especially when our loved ones are are ill or mm-hmm. are in danger, um, and and maybe we should learn from our prayers then mm-hmm. how our prayers really ought to be mm-hmm. always. Yeah, um, we don't pray for safety in travel. Yeah, <laughs> when you know, bless us that we'll get there. Yeah. Say it right. We, we yeah. don't we don't pray the rote lines. We pray honest and sincere sincere needs. Yeah, um, we. Really, the only things we need are the things we ask for. Yeah, um, we thin out all the the fluff that we f- so frequently add to our mm-hmm. prayers. And I think the way that he goes, yeah, um, he besought him greatly, mm-hmm. right? Like earnestly seeking after the yeah. Savior and His help. And how frequently do we just flop down at the end of the day and mm-hmm. or in the middle right before we eat or whatever? And there's no beseeching. It's yeah. there's no earnestly <laughs> anything. It's yeah. just. It's just because it's time to do that thing. We do it. We we maybe fall into. Uh, I don't know that God gets angry at us for doing that, right? I don't. I don't think that. But but man, there probably is more power in prayer if we do it a little yeah. bit more like this. Yeah, Jairus does. I love that, and I just want to add to this. I think in verse twenty three where it says, "Come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed." And I just I love that phrase. Both in the story and symbolically, yeah. to think about the Savior, whatever the Savior touches, it, it can be healed. Yeah. And I think about that, and, and, and I have a quote here from Howard W. Hunter that goes along with this, and I just love it. It says, Then comes a great acknowledgement of faith. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed and she shall live. These are not only the words of faith of a father torn with grief, but are also a reminder to us that whatever Jesus lays his hands upon lives. Mm. If Jesus lays his hands upon a marriage, it lives. Mm. If he is allowed to lay his hands on the family, it lives. Mm. And I think about the young single adults out there and I just think whatever it is, whatever the fear is, whatever the concerns are, whatever the challenges, whatever the trials are, whatever it is that these young single adults are facing and us all together, if we allow the Savior to lay his hands upon it, it will live. Yeah, what does it look like to have the Savior lay his hand upon your circumstance. What is it that you would ask him to do? In, and, and what would it look like for him to actually do that thing? Mm-hmm. Sometimes um, there's a wonderful phrase we learned. Uh, it's probably been around for a long time, but, but the phrase is, but if not. Mm-hmm. And um, I think sometimes we ask for things that God just can't do or is unwilling to do because it's the plan to have the thing happen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but what would it look like to ask for the thing you need and directly? Just, you know, I'm, I'm calling down a blessing from heaven. The Bible Dictionary teaches us that, that many of the blessings are, are there. They just require our asking for them, right? Yeah. Um, but, but what would it look like to say, uh, this is what I need, this is what I'd like. Yeah. But if not, yeah. what? What would, what would Jair, Jairus's but if not statement have been? But if you can't come, if you can't heal her, 
if she's gonna die, help me and my wife maybe be be willing and able to handle this and remain faithful. Yeah. And whatever the what if yeah. whatever the but if not statement is, I I think first requires the faith to ask yeah. to come and be healed. And I think sometimes and often the Savior wants to come and to do that. But yeah. sometimes the but if not statement can be just as powerful to each of us, you know, as we learn to accept the will of the Lord. Yeah. Uh, when it's not to do a miracle in our life, which is right. sadly maybe more often than not right. in our worldly view, right? Right. Not sad that way, but well, when I think about that in the case of the young single adults, and I can just think of so many times when I've had, you know, YSA students come to me with a challenge or a trial or a problem, and you know, just speaking to any of these things, you know, for example, I've had several come to me with mental health challenges and trials and yeah. and things they're really experiencing and. And I think some of them could come to me and say, well, Brother Johns, I've prayed and I got a blessing and I did all these things, but yeah. it's not going away. Right. Well, when it says in here that he laid his hands upon her, her or it and they lived, it didn't describe what that living looks like. Sure. I mean, the reality is in this case, you know, maybe why I say comes and says, well, I've, I've turned to God and I've got the prayers and I've, I've got the blessings, but mm-hmm. but it's not taken from me. Well. Maybe maybe the blessing, maybe the miracle for that moment is that God has given you an opportunity to be strong for another day. Yeah. You know, to, to endure faithfully yeah. the challenges you're experiencing. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. As, as you say that, I think about challenges that are even just sinful behavior, mm-hmm. just recurring sinful behavior. Yeah. That maybe never goes away in your entire life. Yeah. Right. And and, and and maybe you die early, and it's a thing that could have gone away if you'd lived to seventy five or whatever. But mm-hmm. but what if it's something that <clears throat> really our Father in Heaven's purpose for giving it to us, for allowing us to be tempted in that thing, to allow us to have that thing, is to give us the opportunity to continually ask for forgiveness, to yeah. continually seek His hand again, to continually ask to be healed. And then I love the idea that then I have the power to get through another day. Maybe not two, but a day. Yes. And then on the second day when I mess up, that I'm willing to go and I'm going to ask Heavenly Father again mm-hmm. for forgiveness through the Savior. He's going to lay his hands on me. I'm going to be forgiven. Yeah. And I'm going to have power to get through another maybe two days. Right. And maybe it goes for three weeks and then it comes back. Yeah. But those three weeks, that power that's coming to you there, I think is a is a life learning and eternal learning principle, right? That mm-hmm. that as we as we all work through our own um, process of becoming perfected in the Savior, yeah. it really requires just humility because we're just not going to do it here, right? right. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. You might never say bad words, but there will be other stuff that yeah. you're going to do, right? No matter how much you try. And totally. I think there's an important, powerful principle there to, to, to remember that that power that comes from from just asking yeah. might just be there for a day. Yeah. It might not look like healed daughter running through the meadows, right. you know, catching butterflies. Right. It, she may have had, had some problems after that. Uh, we don't know yeah. that, but... Yeah, and, and I think one thing to learn in this lesson, and we'll go back to the scriptures here because I think it's going to teach, but it goes to what you're saying, is that, you know, everything that we learn from the Savior in this experience, we can we can learn that there's a process, yeah. that, there's, that there's a timing that the Lord gives... And so when we're talking about these, you know, people who may be struggling with a mental health challenge or a sinful behavior or any of these other things that are going on out here, and we're asking for prayers and we're not seeing it instantly cured, does not mean that the Lord's hand is not in there and it's not helping us. And in time, it might be cured. We know in the eternities it'll be cured. For sure. But in this process, if we, as we go back to the story, we have this tender dad who comes to the Savior and he says, you know, will you just come and help bless my daughter? And, and so verse 24, 
And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And so Jesus says, okay, I'll go with you, right? Can you, can you imagine? I'm sorry, I cut you yeah, off. Yeah, no, go ahead. Just imagine that dad. Jesus yeah. is following you home. Yeah. I'm running. Yeah. And and the, this throng of people is slowing him down. Yeah. Right? I'm like, okay, come on. Let's go. Totally. Stop talking to him. Let's yeah. go. Right? Yeah, let's I, go. I like, going, my daughter's right? like, yeah, I need my, da- mm. my daughter needs him. And I, and I love that you point that out because it says, you know, here he is, he's following him to his house. And then all of a sudden, verse 25, and a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, mm-hmm. and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had and was, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. Mm-hmm. Verse 27, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. Mm-hmm. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And then we see here, Jesus turns around and he begins to have this conversation with her. Yeah. Now let's just pause there for a minute. Yeah. If you're Jairus... Oh man, stop. Let's go. Keep home. running. Yeah, you think your daughter is either dead or is dying. <laughs> yeah. And the Savior's taking a rest stop yeah. along the journey to your house... If I'm in Jairus' shoes, I'm kind of like, okay, you know, I'm yeah. glad that she's healed. She's already but healed now. I've got a daughter <laughs> that still needs you. Let's move, yeah. right? But I think there's a really powerful and important lesson in that, that coming to the Savior is the first step. Yeah. But then trusting in that process and trusting in that timing mm. beyond that mm. is, is also really significant along our journey of healing and transformation through Jesus Christ. Mm. The Savior doesn't take off sprinting to Jairus's daughter and immediately heal her. Yeah, there's a there's a time period where I think the Savior is showing to all of us, not just Jairus, but He's showing to all of us, trust in My timing, trust in My power, trust in My plan, and in the end, all will be made right. Yeah. Well, and, and what's He teaching His disciples too, right here? Right. He's He He has this uh, this woman touch Him from behind. She was. Uh, she touched, what is it, uh, pressed from behind and mm-hmm. touched his garment, right? So this big throng, and she's at the back just reaching forward, trying to touch him and does. Now we see the, I, th- I think we see the picture of uh, the woman sitting on the floor and mm-hmm. he walks by and he just, she just yeah. reaches out, right? Yeah. And that's really not scripturally. Scripturally, she was moving with the group yeah. and reaching forward to touch him. Yeah. And and she's healed instantly. Yeah. Uh, straightway, it says, verse 29. But then in right. verse 30, immediately, knowing himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? Yeah. Stopped. He just stopped the group and said, who, who just touched me? Yeah. And the disciples were like, everybody? <laughs> we're yeah. like, we're like all bumbling yeah. around here. We're all touching you. What yeah. are you talking about? And in verse 32, he looked around, roundabout, to see her that had done this thing. And then the woman feared trembling knowing what was done in her in her came and fell down before him and told him all the truth now wait a minute this woman for 12 years has had an issue of blood Mm -hmm. that got worse every time someone tried to help her instantly this is healed straightway it was healed and she knew it she knew it that fast that it was done uh fearing trembling knowing what was done in her came and fell down and then wanted to express, I, I, I did it, I'm sorry, kind of feelings. Mm-hmm. He said unto her daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. I think there's a message. There's, there's a couple messages here. There's probably a million. Yeah. To me, <clears throat> I think our faith in the Savior doesn't always require him to set his hand on my life and miraculously mm-hmm. cure it. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes faith in the Savior brings the light 
that I need, that yeah. it brings the joy back into my life, that, that I'm in darkness because of it. It's the, it's the light of Christ that re is in, reinvigorated in me. Yeah. It, it isn't necessarily always Jesus coming down, forcefully saying, you are healed, right? right? right. It is sometimes our faith that her faith did it all by itself. Yeah, he didn't have to do anything. It was just she had faith that he it, that he could heal her. All all yeah. he did was all she did was touch him. I think there's so much power in that, right? Yeah. I, I don't need him to come down and to miraculously change all of my life. Mm-hmm. He is definitely every part of every solution that happens on earth, right? Yeah. But but maybe what I need is the light of Christ to come back into my life because I've squelched it for ten years or twelve years or however long. Yeah. Right? And I don't need a miracle. I just need to have faith and yeah. touch His garment. Right. Yeah. I think that I think that's a the, the first thing that stands out to me. Can I share another? Well, I was just going to ask you on yeah, that go ahead. before we switch off of that. Yeah. You know, symbolically speaking, Matt, what do you think it looks like to? To reach out and just touch the garment of Christ, like yeah. you know, let, let's pretend there's a YSA out there that's you know not been very active over the last couple of years. What what would be that first initial kind of just reaching out? Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, I I just gave a talk not too long ago, a couple weeks ago, on yeah. um, receiving revelation. What it's like to receive revelation. What does it feel like? How do we know? Mm-hmm. And but whether it's our thoughts or the Spirit's thoughts or, or Christ Himself directly in our life. And ultimately, it came down to, I have to know the difference between the light of Christ Mm -hmm. and the Spirit teaching me. Mm -hmm. I would say to a young adult or anybody, really, that's struggling to come back, Mm -hmm. that's feeling lost, that's feeling alone, that 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 happens because we push away the light of Christ for so long that we, we feel guilty still, and especially if we're still feeling guilty, the light of Christ is definitely active. But we pushed it down for so long that we start um, we start validating the the actions that we're taking. We start justifying why we're doing certain things, and I think the first step in touching the garment would be to just stop. Yeah. To stop to reach forward to the garment and touch it, and then stop doing that to yourself. Stop right. saying this is okay because fill in the blank. Right. And say I just need to be okay with the idea that I'm kind of a mess. Mm-hmm. And stop just being a mess and let myself feel guilt, yeah. maybe a little bit of shame that I don't think is what Heavenly Father would want us to feel, right. but but be okay with just recognizing that it's wrong. What I've been doing is wrong. Yeah. And I think in that, there comes a lot of joy. There comes a lot of hope that like, mm-hmm. okay, I, I know it's wrong. I know what I need to do now. Yeah. But the first step is just to recognize it, to yeah. stop and to feel a little bit of light come back into your life. Because that light then leads you to receive revelations from the Holy Ghost. Right. And it's really only when we've done that, when we've touched the garment and we've said, I'm not even going to talk to him mm-hmm. because I'm so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just reach and touch. Yeah. And then he's going to turn. And what does she do? She felt ashamed. Mm-hmm. She knelt in front of him saying, I did this thing, right? Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. I felt the light of Christ correct me. Yeah. And I'm going to own it. And now I'm going to kneel down and be like, okay, now I'm going to talk to you. And then revelation comes, right? Yes. And I think that, I, I don't know that that's right, but that would be my first counsel. I love that. And it, it makes me think, Elder Holland once said, it's not a matter of how fast we're going, it's a matter of what direction we're facing. Yeah. And I think if you've been lost for a minute or you've been off for the covenant path for a while or, or whatever the circumstance may be, it's it's kind of doing this 180, this about face where it's like, okay, we've been we've been in the dark for a period of time, but just starting to turn back to the light. Yeah. You know, in, in small incremental ways, 
yeah. is that shifting. It's that repentance. It's that change in our lives that, you know, we're off the covenant path. We're heading into the darkness, you know, the mists of darkness, as it might say in the scriptures. But it's redirecting our lives slowly and surely back towards that light. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I think as, as Brad Wilcox states, you know, worthiness is not flawlessness. Sure. Along that jur- journey, it's, it's, it's correcting the path that we're on so that we can return to the covenant path and return back to the light of Christ, as yeah. you mentioned. So. Yeah, I love that idea. I think when, when you're in a totally dark room, everything's black. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you see a little sliver of light from somewhere. You all of a sudden have a direction. Mm-hmm. You have perspective on the room even, maybe. Yeah. Um, and the more light you're given, the more direction you have, right? Yeah. And I think so, so often when I've been in the dark, um, I think I just have to stop and look for the light. Mm-hmm. And it's not even really revelation. It's just where is yeah. the right yeah. direction, right? And I think <laughs> yeah. that's so important. Totally. Good. Well, maybe one more thought on this. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, maybe back to Jairus here. He's yeah. He's got to be like, come on, man. Yeah. Right? And, and yeah. I think there's another message here that is so important for me. And that is that the Savior, as busy as he was, as much as he wanted to go and to heal Jairus' daughter, he took time where he needed to be and stayed where he needed to be to do the mm-hmm. right thing. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes we get so busy doing good that we miss the things that are maybe most important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I could see the Savior saying to Jairus, yeah, let's go, and running. I could see him doing that. I, but then again, I don't know that I can. I mean, I, I could see him loving Jairus enough to say, let's go and just yeah. taking off across the fields, right? Yeah. But, but at the same time, he was so good at identifying everything around him mm-hmm. that he never really ran anywhere. Yeah. I, I just don't see him running from thing to thing. Um, there's, a, there's a talk that, that says that some of us, myself included, uh, claim busyness as a badge of honor. We mm. wear it as a badge of honor. When someone asks us how we're doing, we we talk about how busy we are. And, yeah. And somehow that's going to make us better or, or whatever. And I don't think the Savior would have done that. Look at how many people he's healed just in yeah. like, oh, I don't know, a chapter. Yeah. And yet he's not running from place to place. Um, sometimes it matters that we get something done quickly, but I think most of the time if, if, we're, if we're focused yeah. And if we're more thoughtful about how we do it, we can bless a lot more than just the one thing we know about. Yeah, I agree with that. And I just want to just add to this a little bit. Um, you know, again, as Jairus is kind of saying, probably feeling like this urgency to go and heal his daughter. I, I think, and I know the Savior would not say this to him, but in my natural man mind, you know, my thought to Jairus might be, you know, as he's standing there impatiently waiting, sure. you know, this lady's waited for 12 years. Yeah. You can take five minutes, right? right? Like, yeah. <laughs> And I think that's a twofold teaching there that, number one, we learn about a woman who's waited 12 years for the healing power of yeah. Christ. Yeah. So we learn that it takes time. There's right. a process. Yeah. And and on on the other part of that is, is to say to Jairus, you know, listen, trust in my process. Trust in my timing. We'll get to your daughter. It'll be okay. Yeah. And so I think going back to the verses here, go to verse 36 in Mark 5. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And um, I think just in the hustle and bustle of, of what's going on in these, these stories, you know, the throngs of people and, 
and Jairus being antsy to go get his daughter healed and this woman touching his garment and he's he's teaching this yeah. broader message this greater message is be not afraid yeah and that's only believe that's when that ruler comes out and says your daughter's dead yeah right and, and the savior's response is just believe right it, yeah what, what a message right that and maybe there's maybe there's a message here that is even if it goes the worst right if it's bad yeah that's okay because yeah. Jesus can fix that yeah right like that's maybe the whole purpose here is slow him down so that Jairus's daughter can pass away yeah and then he can do an even bigger miracle yeah. right maybe the yeah. things we see in our lives as the worst mm-hmm. really turn out to be some of the biggest miracles we've I know that's true for me yeah. I've had some horrible stuff going on yeah. in my life that that really hindsight I wish we didn't have to go through yeah but I'm so blessed that we went through those things right definitely and and maybe that message was maybe that's it like I'm I'm just waiting for her to pass away so I can go heal her and yeah. raise her from the dead right that's eventually what he does yeah is bring her back from the dead first time it's ever been done that's that's a significant statement right totally yeah. I love that and I think before we get too far too far ahead here sure just one final comment on this woman that had reached out to Christ. And I think this message of be not afraid is applicable even in that story. Yeah. But um, there's just this quote that I found this morning, and I don't know who said it, but I just love it and because I can relate to it in both of these situations where there's urgency and fear sure. and all this stuff going on. Uh, the quote is, when you're hanging on by a thread, make sure it's the hem of his garment. Oh, that's cool. And I can't tell you, Matt, you know, the Lord has allowed me so many times to hang on by a thread. Mm. But I can just testify and say that as I've as I've held on to the hem of the garment of Christ that that all is made right yeah. and that healing does occur and That's really cool. There, there's yeah. a verse that connects to this in chapter six mm-hmm. um, of Mark, the very last verse of that chapter. Whithersoever he entered into villages or cities or country they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch it were but the or the border of his garment and as many as touched him were made whole so i know we we talk so much about this woman with an issue of blood mm-hmm. but there were probably hundreds of people that he yeah. saved and and healed in a very similar way definitely and just touching that hem that that string hanging down right yeah, yeah I, I love that. that that's a great message okay keep going yeah, I mean, I think just to finish the story, you know, the Savior comes to to, to Jairus' daughter and and he heals her and yeah. and uh, verse forty two, um, well forty one, and he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha kumai. I think that's how you'd say that. I have yeah. no idea. I'm sure, not, I'm we'll not go great with languages. That. We'll go with that. <laughs> Which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise, and straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. So he he heals he heals his daughter. The miracle the miracle happens. But uh, I think about the story, and I think you know this is a wonderful story to look at. But I think we've maybe maybe a lot of people have been in a situation where they have a loved one who's on their deathbed, and and what if the Savior doesn't lift him? Yeah. You know, do we still see the miracle? True. Even if they're not saved. I think this is an amazing miracle. It shows great faith. It shows that the Savior can can heal. He can raise the dead. He can he can do all things. But do we have enough faith to say, as you said earlier, right? You know, Savior, heal her. But if not, yeah. 
help me to see the miracle of her passing or help me to see the miracle of thy plan in some other right. way. Yeah. So. yeah. I think maybe it takes more faith to have a miracle not happen yeah. and remain faithful yeah. than to have a miracle happen, which is maybe why they're not as frequent, mm-hmm. right? That, that we... Uh, not, not, that's not fair. I, I think the Savior does frequent miracles, right? Yeah. Um, but, but maybe we don't see them that way for very frequently. We don't yeah. see them as miracles very frequently. Well, I, I was in uh, church on Sunday, and someone, someone was speaking. One, a stake presidency member was speaking, and, and one of the things he said was, uh, he was talking about the law of tithing, actually. And he talked about in Malachi how it says, if you pay your tithing, the windows of heaven will open and it will pour you out a blessing so great that you won't be able to receive it. And he said, sometimes those blessings come in the form of trials. Mm. I'm going, wait a minute. So I'm going to pay my tithing and then I get to have a trial. Yeah. That sounds great. Awesome. That sounds so fun. Thank you. Um, but now as, I, as I've as i got a little bit older and I've been through some significant trials in my life, I look back and I go, you know what? That trial was a miracle. Yeah. It was a miracle because it helped me become who I am today. Yeah. It was a miracle because it caused me to turn to Christ and to trust in Christ and to, to hold on to the hem of the garment of Christ mm-hmm. as I was hanging on by a thread at many moments. Mm-hmm. Um, as I look back, it was a miracle. Well, isn't it interesting in the, in the middle of the trial, we make it this big, giant thing. We turn yeah. it into, and, and they did this when, when his daughter had died. Mm-hmm. Um, Verse 38, he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the tumult and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, why make ye this ado? And we, why are you making this giant issue out of this? Mm-hmm. And uh, the damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And then they laugh at him, right? Mm-hmm. And, and really, maybe that's all, us all the time. We make these giant issues out of things that he's like, whoa, like, yeah. calm down. We're going to get you through this. It's going to be okay. Yeah. And, uh, and and even if we don't make it through with our lives, if we make it through with our eternal life, that's way bigger yes. than, you know, I've, I've, I survived the event. Right. Uh, and man, what what uh, what kind of perspective do we have when we make yeah. the, the mountains that are really molehills in our life yeah. mountains, right? Yeah, and I think about this too, and we'll transition here in just a sec, but I just think too that uh, <clears throat> as we think about these miracles, you know, it's like, oh, that, that would be so cool to see and to have in my own life and, right. and, and, and all these things. But the reality is like, I just think about Laman and Lemuel and how many miracles they saw. Over and over. And over and over and over and over and over again. And in the end, they still weren't changed through the yeah. atonement of Jesus Christ. They right. still weren't converted to the Savior. Yeah. And in the end, they they didn't receive the bigger reward of eternal life sure. and exaltation and I just think we've got to be careful not to I, I think it's true that President Nelson has said seek and expect miracles right. but we have to redefine what a miracle really is sure. I think sometimes in our lives to recognize that that the way we read them in the scriptures may not be the way they occur in our lives yeah, for sure. but if we're seeking the hand of the Lord and we're, and we're watching for the hand of the Lord in our lives at some point we will see the true miracle that's happening. Well, you know, even things that, that are big negatives. Yeah. I think like we've kind of been touching on yeah. here, there really can be miracles. I think of Laman and Lemuel and Nephi and Sam in Jerusalem trying to get the plates from Laban. And their second best idea after just going and asking for them was let's go take everything we own from dad's house and we'll give it to him yeah. in trade. Yeah. Well, okay, that sounds like a total failure when, it, when they're right. being chased off, being um, threatened to be killed. 
Yeah. But the reality is, there's nothing for Lehman and Lehman to go back to now. Yeah. They're going to travel and for 11 years almost, follow their brother out, yeah. end up on a seashore while he's building a boat that's going to cross the ocean. Right. This is his first boat ever. <laughs> Every part yeah. of them, knowing who they were, would have said, let's just go back and hang out at dad's house. Yeah. But there's literally nothing there. So that failure was probably a prompting the spirit saying, hey, why don't you go get all your stuff and gather it up and get rid of yeah. it, right? Yeah. And yet we see it as a failure. Even when we read the scriptures, we see that as a failure. Yeah. Why did it take three times for the spirit to come and teach them? No, no, it came. Yeah. It came the first time so that, oh, just it, that that story is amazing. Yeah. Uh, the, the spirit was just leading them through yeah. a process to really get them to be done with Jerusalem. Yeah, I love that. Great mm. insight. Appreciate yeah. it, brother. Sure. Well, I think, uh, I think we can kind of wrap this together. We've been on this for a bit, and, yep. and so we're going to jump over a few things. But um, we'll jump over to, to Luke chapter 9 to kind of wrap this up today. Okay. And, and, and to put it all together, I think, I think when we get to the end of our lives and we've done our very best to stay on the covenant path and our, we've done our very, very best to follow the Savior, um, I think our greatest miracle will be us in will be be us looking back on our lives and, and seeing the becoming of a disciple. Yeah. The becoming of one who is like Jesus, the becoming of one who has developed characteristics of God. Hmm. And, and to kind of wrap this together, if you jump over to chapter nine, uh, there's a few verses here and it talks about, you know, kind of becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ and and uh, let's just start in verse twenty four where it says, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Hmm. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed, when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. And I, uh, I just think about this. It, we can see all the miracles in the world, but if it doesn't lead to us becoming disciples of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. it's really done us no good. Yeah. Yeah, that, that message is um, becoming someone who helps someone else, right? Isn't that ultimately what the Savior was? And if our objective is to become like Him, um, weeks ago in the Come Follow Me block, we talked a little bit about uh, the light being the light of Christ and, and a candle and you know all the things and yeah and I heard a, a colleague of ours share a little experience where he in a in a class went to the window and he took a little mirror and he stuck his hand out the window and he he sh- he captured the sun mm-hmm. and shined it into the room yeah um, on uh, on his students and the ceiling and whatnot and and the message was uh, you don't become the sun when you become a light. You're not the sun. You're reflecting the power of the sun. And that power can have warmth. Uh, it obviously can light things so much so that you can't even look at it. Yeah. Just in reflecting who he is, I think that message of discipleship is is such a, um, a unique message uh, to religion that becoming like someone very specific um, can change other people yeah. and how they view life. Yeah, that's a pretty cool uh, invitation to become like him, right? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Appreciate that. So, so I guess maybe to wrap this together today, um, our journey of discipleship and becoming starts with faith. Yeah. 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we look at all these different situations and, and we think about what the Savior has the power to do, the miracle, the miracles come along the way as we have faith throughout our life, through the journey. And in the end, the greatest miracle is that you've been changed, yeah. that you have you've become like him. And so I guess my invitation and thought to, to anybody listening or to the YSAs out there that are maybe just struggling in life or maybe even not struggling, to, to continue to exercise your faith in Jesus Christ. Reach out. Reach out to him. Allow him to heal you. Allow him to guide you. Allow him to be a part of everything in your life. You know, I love the scriptures in, in Matthew where it says, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Put the Lord first and all things will work out better than you could have imagined. Yeah. And sometimes that takes time and sometimes that's a process. And sometimes it doesn't look like yeah. you thought it was going to look. Yeah, it doesn't look how we thought it would right. look. But I can just testify in all of my experience so far in my life, as I've put my trust in Christ, um, my greatest trials have become miracles. And the greatest miracle of those trials is that I've, I've turned to the Savior and become more like Him. Yeah. So. Brother John, you have... Um, I've known you since you and I both started about the same time here. Mm. And uh, to see the mighty change happen in both of our lives um, is significant. And, yeah. uh, and I'm, I'm grateful to, to be a friend of yours and, yeah. and uh, call you friend. But thank you for your time here today. Yeah. It, it's so... Uh, what a can I just take a second? Yeah. What a wonderful job I have, right? This is part of my assignment with the church yeah. that that I get to go around and interview people that are just fantastic at studying their scriptures and knowing yeah. what's there and seeing it for what's relevant and valid and yeah. and and I love that we don't get stuck on the Hebrew translation of this word. Yeah. You know, the whole context of the story matters and it does probably on some level but yeah. but that we can find relevance for our lives and for those that listen. Man, what a what a job. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you. We'll see you next time. Okay.